0: Welcome to the Dermatology Podcast, the official podcast of the European Academy of Dermatology and Venereology. I'm Christopher Horskamp, and I'm Cécile Mitoir, and we are your hosts. When COVID-19 became a pandemic, the EADV quickly took action to create a webinar series Dermatology During a Pandemic, where doctors were sharing their experiences as they were discovering new symptoms of the disease and helping patients manage their health in a time of overextended healthcare resources.
1: In the last week of 2020, the EADV held a new webinar, revisiting these topics with updated information and showcasing experiences and lessons learned by the EADV-affiliated doctors and relevant professionals. Topics included skin manifestations, surgery, dermato-oncology, teledermatology, patient care, tips on vaccines, emotional intelligence, and even the experience of residents on the front lines in the COVID hospitals.
0: The webinar covered two different aspects of dermatology during the pandemic. In the last episode of this series, we covered the scientific and medical side. This episode delves into the human element and preparing for the next phase, the vaccination effort. We tracked down Professor Mirto georgia Tracatelli, the chairperson of EADB School, EADV's education committee, and we asked her about the two very distinct parts of the webinar.
2: This happened because uh, in the beginning, we wanted to share knowledge about our, our field. You know, we wanted to share medical knowledge because it was our first need to know about the disease to understand the disease or to understand how we can better work so the teledermatology was about our our uh, impact as physicians and how to be better in what we do but as covid uh, continued and as uh, things became more difficult we saw that the need was not anymore just Knowledge on technical or practical and or scientific things was also to share a way to handle the psychological impact and uh, to find a better way to exist in these uh, scenarios. And this, this was uh, after discussing with uh, the Goldman Institute with Michelle Navarre. I said, Michelle, uh, uh, I would really want to have a, a webinar on, on emotional intelligence and how can this. Help can help dermatologists. And she said to me, you know what, Mirto? I can even do three if you want, do a series, give more information, and we can open it to all healthcare personnel. And I said, fine, EADV will offer it to everybody. This is very important. And Goldman will support these, uh, these actions.
0: We're going to catch up with Professor Tracatelli at the end of this broadcast. Now let's revisit what happened in that webinar.
1: Dr. Stella Siscu was a resident in Greece and redeployed as her hospital quickly adapted to take care of COVID-19 patients.
3: I will be sharing my COVID-19 experience as a resident. Um, So in late October, early November Greece saw a steep rise in COVID-19 cases. Um, The burden of disease was more prominent in the northern Greece, uh, where I live and work. So, in our hospital, we had initially 40 patients with COVID-19, and in a matter of two weeks, uh, this number increased to 220. So, um, eight COVID-19 wings were set up in the hospital urgently, and due to shortage of staff, um, some of us had to be redeployed. So I was redeployed on the 9th of November and my wing, just to give you a rough idea, um, we were treating 45 patients, four of them um, in respiratory high dependency unit. And as you can see, this stuff uh, was from various backgrounds. So it was a mixture of uh, specialties. We had gynecologists, urologists, plastic surgeons. It was basically a chaotic situation. There are negative things that came with the experience. So it was the fear and f- of infection, uh, of transferring something to our families. It was uh, the fear of doing something wrong to the patient. We had received no formal training. Um, The physical exhaustion, so long tiring hours and together with two young boys at home as as schools are closed in Greece, and the feeling of isolation. So no one would understand what we were going through except for the people that were working with us basically. But um, every cloud has a silver lining, so there were positive aspects to it. So I did gain valuable experience. I managed to get through it. So it was a boost for my self-confidence. I realized what really matters. Seeing people dying makes you appreciate life even more. And, of course, I met new friends, new colleagues and people I look up to and who supported me throughout. And there is a very interesting article um, Stanford and Mansanai, uh, which basically says that uh, we need to understand uh, the sources of anxiety among healthcare workers during the pandemic in order to develop targeted approaches for these concerns. And these concerns uh, can be basically organized into all of these that you can see within the circles. Uh, these are especially true for us residents, not only during the pandemic, but uh, for always. So from where I stand as a resident, I would like to be heard, protected, prepared, supported, and cared for.
0: Dr. Cisco's words were very powerful. A very real look at what was happening, and in some places continues to happen for residents and doctors who have been redeployed under similar conditions. But in the meantime, we are now looking at a massive rollout of COVID-19 vaccines. Dr. Sarah Walsh presented tips on vaccines as we look forward, but also mentions the importance of awareness of staff well-being.
4: Um, so yes, I would hope that my two tips are good news stories. And the first is, of course, related to the vaccine And as you may or may not have heard on your news, uh, we have been distributing and administering the vaccine in the UK for 15 days now, um, and have already managed to vaccinate many thousands of the over 80s. And of course, our job as dermatologists um, is in part to reassure our patients as to the safety of the vaccine in the context of their treatments. And... I'm sure many of you are all aware that of the three commercially available vaccines, all are inert, so they're not live vaccine. And as such, they're suitable to be administered to patients on immunosuppressive therapy, including the biologics. The two known contraindications are documented anaphylaxis, either to medication or food, and also pregnancy. The question has arisen as to whether a patient should stop their systemic dermatological treatment um, either before or after receiving the vaccine. And at present, our government advice certainly is that where a patient is established on treatment, uh, that they should remain on that treatment when they receive uh, the vaccine. Now, my second tip Um, is something which is perhaps uh, particular to my institution, but it touches back to uh, the important point that Stella raised about the needs um, of the staff working in healthcare settings to be taken good care of. And uh, within our hospital, um, we initiated a whole program Um, of interventions to help the staff feel cared for. And I'd like to share one or two of those with you today uh, in the hope that possibly some of them could be replicated in other institutions.
0: She moved on to the topic of staff wellbeing hubs.
4: These were places that any member of staff, nursing, administrative, medical, could go just simply to take a break, to get some air, to get away from their clinical area and maybe have a bite to eat or a drink, pick up the newspaper and recharge their batteries. We had another poster campaign prompting people to ask, how are you doing to a member of staff they might encounter each day, just to try and ask that question of one of your colleagues. We had weekly and then daily mindfulness meditation broadcasts for the staff via Teams, Uh, which anyone could participate in. It didn't require any particular um, knowledge or experience of mindfulness previously, but we had enormously good feedback from that initiative. And it was a short 15 minute break early in the day when people would gather their thoughts together and spend some time for self-care. And more recently, we've launched the hashtag only human campaign at the hospital, um, which is designed to raise recognition among colleagues of the fact that sometimes we may be having a bad day and just to reach out to those people and reassure them uh, that we still realize that they're doing their very best uh, in a very difficult situation.
1: Dr. Catherine van Mont-France discussed the patient perspective.
5: we all know that this pandemic uh, causes a lot of stress. Uh, these days uh, maybe be uh, the days of pausing and reflecting. And so coping with stress in a, in a healthy way will make us uh, and also the people we care for and uh, the people we care about stronger. So what can we do for our patients to, to, to help to them to reduce stress? Well, first of all, it is important to know the facts. So and and we also should stop the spread of rumors uh, that can also help uh, reducing stress. So, for example, uh, let the patients know that you are there for them. Let them know how to they can reach you either by uh, telephone, uh, by video call, by email, or maybe they even still can still visit you. Like uh, Paola Pasquale just uh, explained to us, it's so important uh, that you still uh, are in contact with your patient. And they have to know how to reach you. Um, and also they have to know what to do when they are sick. If they are in, on immunosuppressive drugs, what should they do? Um, and so you have to reach out as a dermatologist actively to your patient with guidance. So to inform them about all kinds of uh, effects. So on immune-suppressive drugs. We did that, of course, with the first wave of COVID, but now many questions arise about vaccinations and possible allergies to a vaccination. And if, can you be vaccinated if you have a dermatological disease and have a certain a medication? So to reach out either by a mailing uh, information on your website, um, it all counts and it all helps. Of course, there is uncertainty, We do not know everything, um, but that is uh, inherent to our profession and it's also part of life. And so if you are just open about the uncertainty, it helps and it also helps to to have hope. So then secondly, uh, we can take care of the mental health of our patients. So ask your patient just a simple question. So how are you? How are you coping with COVID these days? And then listening to your patient um uh, also if we have time constraints uh, uh, it should not be an excuse uh, uh, not to know their needs and to know their questions so just a short and simple question uh, is is already very important and what else can we do well we can refer to patient organizations as a support network people are maybe lonely uh, with their disease and have questions and patient organizations can really help uh, uh, um, finding the uh, uh, patient's answers to questions that maybe we don't know or our nurses don't know. So what else? So share mental health resources. Each country has them. So you can refer your patients to these uh, websites, for example. And then when you are under pressure, it can be easy to forget that uh, human-to-human connections, and they also make a difference to our patients. So uh, with caring, we can induce a placebo response. Uh, We already know that, Uh, although we do not offer an intervention. And furthermore, we can validate what the patient feels, and that occurs if a patient experiences your acceptance and your understanding. And so also nonverbal communications may help here. And, um, and, and then you have to think, for example, about eye contact or just a touch. And also a touch with a glove uh, can make a difference.
0: Ms. Michelle Navarez from Goldman EI brought a perspective highlighting emotional intelligence.
6: We have heard from all of the speakers and you have experienced yourself, I'm sure so many times this past year of having that feeling of the rug being pulled out from under you or the things that knock you off center. I know for me, it happens daily. um, And it's just a matter of in those moments, figuring out what do we do? So when we look at what can we do when we're knocked off center, on the one hand, we have the ability, this unique ability as human beings to activate our own capacity for awareness. But it turns out that does also take some presence of mind for us to do, right? So that we're not carried sort of downstream by our own emotions or our patients' emotions or their you know, even our, our, their family's emotions, right? And so uh, Sarah was talking about uh, these sessions where you can just practice mindfulness or noticing your attention and presence of mind and training, really training the brain to be able to not only focus on where you place and want to hold your attention, but in those moments where you most need to tread carefully and skillfully that you can. And so our cognitive control or something we call our emotional balance is what allows us to do this at a a brain level. So without that, though, we default to autopilot and our our habits and our go-to behaviors that we, in a moment of, you know, not thinking straight or stress that we, you know, go towards. And so again, I call back to what Sarah just mentioned, how everybody's human and everybody has good moments and bad moments and good days and bad days. And so having some attentiveness that any given moment, while you may be great, there are others around you who may not be and reverse. So even if the people we're around aren't managing so well, what is it that we can do? So emotional balance has three components. It has to do with not only how quickly we recover when we have had the rug pulled out from us, or we are simply encountering a situation that is different than we expected. Um, It's a matter of how quickly, how quickly do we experience this emotional trigger, as it were, Um, Of course, the brain's way ahead of us, but we experience it as a trigger. So even though sort of the brain is projecting and simulating out different aspects of what it's perceiving from the senses, uh, along with whatever is in our unconscious, right, relative to prior experiences, et cetera, in those moments, what we have control over is our self-awareness. That's if we train for that. So then if we start to notice the severity with which we are Triggered. So, for example, the difference between stewing all day long, or perseverating—we call it—about um, something that didn't quite go right. We those moments of rumination can also continue to drag us down through the day. So, if you notice that's happening, that can be really helpful. Just to let it go, and that's where the training, the mind, to bring the mind you know, and focus, whether it's on your breath or an object, and if it, if it deviates, then you bring it back, and training like that can actually help you realize in the moment, I'm hanging on to something here that I would do better to let go of, and so over time, if you're able to develop a mindfulness practice of which there are so many available these days, whether it's body scan to help build your sense of what's happening physically in your body, or whether it's, like I mentioned, attentional training, or whether it's even compassion practice. And so that is where we come to the idea of compassion. And with you all as physicians, as dermatologists, as people who are helping humanity, whether it's to improve life, save life, prolong life. At the end of the day, compassion is the bridge that we use to connect with one another. And so those simple gestures, those micro moments of compassion and love that we share with one another, by what? Giving each other our attention.
0: President of the EADV, Professor Alexander Stratigos, spoke on behalf of the efforts of dermatologists, venereologists, and the EADV itself, recognizing the challenges and successes of the past year.
7: The year 2020 was extremely difficult for everyone, professionally and personally. As healthcare providers, we have been taking care of our patients in new ways and with improved safety measures and we have supported the healthcare system in managing this emergency. As EADV, as a healthcare organization, we have reorganized events, we have reorganized uh, educational meetings, and uh, we have rescheduled projects, and uh, we have provided also updated and reliable information about the pandemic for our members and for the entire dermatolo community. So we have learned that this emergency is like a marathon. It requires continuous effort and endurance. But we have also learned how to face this challenge step by step by adapting to the new normal and by keeping alive the exchange and the sharing through alternative channels. And what we have experienced here in the ADV is a sense of getting together and a sense of community, of a big family of professionals. That's, I think, a very important lesson. The ADV remains committed in advancing excellence in patient care and in ensuring that we will continue the exchange, the learning, and the sharing of our ideas and experiences in the best possible way for our members and for our colleagues worldwide.
0: Looking back, it was a very well-attended webinar that's gotten a lot of buzz and, of course, a lot of interest. Today, we are joined by Professor Mirto Georgia dracatelli to discuss it a little bit more. Professor Tracatelli, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me with you. Hello to everybody.
0: How did the idea come about for this larger COVID webinar series?
2: So uh, we, we were uh, in a committee meeting and we all uh, were saying that it was so tough being isolated. And then um, Bibi Varmon France actually brought up the idea of having a, uh, sharing our experience all over Europe. And uh, all the members were very keen on helping and bringing in their knowledge and their personal time and uh, doing the first webinar. And then we kind of discussed and uh, I took it further and I said, you guys, why not have a series? Why not have something coming up so people would know and expect it and they would... Know that we are there for them, uh, not only as a a scientific society, but also as colleagues and friends.
0: How did the committee move so quickly to create this series?
2: This was a, a, a unanimous decision, and everybody put so much time and energy. This is how we moved fast. It was because everybody... Uh, did the best they could and they put extra time and effort, even during moments where they did not have the time because they were doing COVID shifts, some of them.
0: So this was a very special webinar series.
2: What is really special about this webinar series is that it's a series uh, that was born out of uh, solidarity and out of the willingness of people to help and support their colleagues all over the world, giving freely, Uh, not with any honorarium, their time and expertise to create this series. And I really want to thank them all here deeply.
0: And the committee itself was very supportive, as you mentioned. Who is currently on the EADV school committee?
2: So it's Paola Pasquali from Spain, Sarah Walsh from the United Kingdom, Bibi van Montfrans from the Netherlands, Deva Zasetien from Lithuania, Elena Rossi from Italy, and our junior member... Who is Stella Cisku from Greece? Who is actually my resident?
0: What was the response of the EADV leadership when it came to these webinars?
2: Actually, we we created the first uh, webinar, and they were they were very happy. They were thrilled with it. They were more than thrilled. I think they were supportive, and they even did more than support it. They embraced it themselves personally. So. We were lucky to have in the webinars the presence of our past president, Carl Paul, who participated in the emotional intelligence webinars and contributed his own experience. And we also had our current president, Alex Stratigos, who even organized an oncologic uh, webinar on COVID and uh, was the one that uh, greeted people in our last uh, uh, COVID webinar of the year. So the leadership was there. Also, our CEO, Martin De Souter, was very, very keen on giving all the resources possible for us to support the creation of this webinar. So I I can say that the leadership was there and they were very supportive. Excellent. And let me be clear here by saying the leadership is not just the three names I mentioned before, but it's the entire executive committee that was facilitating and encouraging our webinars. Mm -hmm. And here I want to thank them And I also want to thank for the great support, the organization, and especially Ricardo Leite, our officer.
0: And for those out there who might be interested one day in becoming part of the EADV school committee, what's the dynamic?
2: The school committee is actually a big family. We are all working together. It's a wonderful environment. Everybody's so active and everybody's so giving. And uh, we are very lucky to have such a good team. I'm very happy to be part of this team.
0: And looking to the future, are there going to be more webinars about COVID-19 in 2021?
2: So as long as there is COVID and as long as there are things happening that uh, people should get informed about, there is always the possibility that uh, the education team will strike again with a new COVID episode. Uh, So it, it depends on what will happen and what will be needed. Definitely, there might be some interest in the vaccination. Let's see how this evolves around Europe and what new things we have and we need to share, and why not? Perhaps uh, people should stay tuned for that.
0: We would like to thank Professor Tracatelli for joining us, along with everyone who supported, spoke at, and attended the webinars. We also thank you, our listeners, and look forward to sharing more research, interviews, and news about dermatology and venereology. So until the next time, take care of your skin.